In this segment, Crowley will preview the Marlins series by taking you down to South Florida. Alex Kritchik, host of the Marlins podcast, The Fish Stripes, to see what's happening down in South Beach. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am happy to welcome Alex Kritchik from the Marlins podcast, Fish Stripes. What is going on, Alex? How are you? How's it going, Paul? Things are doing uh Pretty well, just a couple hours removed from a pretty big comeback win for the Marlins against the Braves. Uh, it was pretty fun to watch, follow along with. Uh, it's something that never seems to happen uh, to the Marlins in Atlanta. Atlanta has been the thorn in the Marlins side for years. I'm sure the Cubs have a team like that, where it's just a team that you cannot beat them, especially when you go to their city. Well, St. Louis has always kind of been the traditional rival, so that's always been the one that uh... – you know, it's been had been frustrating, but uh, one of the great all-time moments for us is is when the Cubs beat them in 2015, the first time they faced each other in the postseason. So, yeah, I, it it is hard because Atlanta's like a perennial, always in first place, always in the postseason. So, I get what you're saying. It's uh, it's one of those things where they're always really, really good already, and then they kick it up a notch against the Marlins. But it was fun. Oh, that's good. So, so both teams, the Cubs and the Marlins, who face off this weekend, are coming off coming off victories. So that's got to be good. The Cubs took four of six from your Marlins last season. They took two of three in Wrigley in August, and two of three from the Marlins in Miami in September. And Alex, I, I was talking to um, Blake Harris from the Inside the Ravine podcast with the Dodgers. We just finished playing the Dodgers twice. And we don't play them the rest of the year. And I was talking about how dumb that is because you guys played us last year in August and September when the Cubs, after the All-Star break, ended up being one of the best teams. If you had played us in April, May, June, it was a completely different team. Yeah, of course. It's one of those weird things where sometimes it really helps, sometimes it really hurts. If the other team is injured or they're just kind of cold, uh, it's one of those things where you love it. You know, uh, the Marlins – I'll give you an example. The Marlins played the Phillies a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Phillies are going to be a very good team this year, but they started off very cold. Um, I would have loved to play them a, a couple times more if we could have, uh, just because when you play teams back-to-back, you either get them when they're really hot or really cold. It just depends on how the cards fall that day or that week. Yeah, and so last year you guys got us when we were we were in their hottest stretch. Yeah, that August-September stretch was un- – and September – I mean, it, it, it looked like a completely different team. You wouldn't even have recognized that team from April and May. But that team is not the team you're facing. The Cubs made a ton of off-season moves. Finally, uh, after a few years of not spending much, they kind of are back on the market. They picked up shortstop Dansby Swanson, uh, pitcher Jamison Tyone, Cody Bellinger, Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer, Tucker Barnhart, Brad Boxberger, Michael Fulmer, and they re-signed Drew Smiley. So, I mean, a ton of moves, but the, the, you know, obviously the big loss was Wilson Contreras. He's now playing for the Cardinals that I was talking about. And then Wade Miley is now North of the cheddar curtain over in Milwaukee. So those are the moves that the Cubs have made. And you can see a lot of it is, you know, James uh, Swanson's a big one, obviously, but uh, a lot of high character guys. And it's just brought a winning attitude to Chicago. Yeah. It's, it's been fun to, to follow along with you guys when I can. And, uh, is it Cody Bellinger? You guys are enjoying him up there? Yeah, uh, he actually, I don't know if he's going to be in this series. He just had a child. His wife had a child. <laughs> Excuse me. His wife had a child. And what ends up happening is that he took um, paternity leave. 
So we've had Nelson Velasquez, who's a real young, bright talent coming up. But yeah, watching Cody Bellinger, I mean, the Cubs have had a very long history of bad center fielders. So watching that guy play, even if he doesn't hit, and he's been doing pretty good with the bat as well, but just watching him defensively is out of this world. It's been fun to watch for sure because Cody Bellinger is one of those guys where he comes into the league, he plays very well, and then out of nowhere, I'm I'm not the strongest talent evaluator, so I can't look at him and figure out what the heck went wrong with him. But he just had such a dip in performance the last couple years, so it's fun to see that he's back to to at least semi-close to where he could be. Well, that's the hope, and it's a one-year prove-it deal, so he's got a lot riding on this, and, and for the Cubs, they kind of, you know, they, they took a gamble and they paid a big price. I mean, it's not, I mean, $20 million is, isn't anything to sneeze at, but based on his production the last couple of years, that was a pretty high salary for a guy that was struggling. So, you know, I think the deal worked out for everybody, so we'll see what happens, and hopefully he'll be back for the series. Yeah, of course, it, it'll be fun to watch him. Uh, it'll be fun to watch him down here in Miami if, if we could see him. So what did Miami do this offseason to kind of change the team up a little bit? Uh, well, speaking of deals to work out for everybody, I'm going to start with Luis Arise. Uh, he was, of course, the American League batting champ last year. And as of right now, he's in line to win it in the National League this year. Uh, he was uh, traded to Miami in January. Uh, the Marlins sent away pitcher Pablo Lopez, who now looks like a possible Cy Young candidate. I know it's only been a few starts. It's only April. But uh, working with what we have right now, he looks like a possible Cy Young candidate. We also sent away uh, uh, prospect hitter Jose Salas. Uh, Luis Arise has been so impressive, not only because of obviously how well he's hitting, but Miami has not been historically good at hitting uh, under this current ownership group. Um, So many free agents and trade acquisitions and draft picks have come in and they just fall off. Luis Arise is one of the only guys uh, that I could think of under Kim Ang, under Bruce Sherman, who has come in and actually exceeded expectations. Um, so let's take a look at some stats. Aside from opening weekend when you know the stats are really wonky, even by April standards, his batting average peaked at uh, 537. Uh, his average has gone down uh, since then by virtue of the fact that no one can hit the ball more than 50% of the time over a long sample size. Uh, but he hasn't slowed down. He's still hot. Uh, he's got 10 hits in his last seven games. Uh, and that includes one game where he went completely hitless. Um, he is a very throwback player. The only thing he's missing is a little bit of speed. He's not the fastest guy, but he just puts the ball in play. He's not a huge home run hitter, uh, but he puts the ball in play and he gets on base. Uh, he's been bouncing around between the number one and the number three spot in the lineup. Uh, because, like I said, he's not a traditional leadoff hitter in the sense that he's not really fast. Uh, but at the number one and number three spot, he's been pretty productive uh, wherever he is. Nice. Who else did you guys? You guys got any other good pickups? Um, well, one of the guys that I'm most impressed with, and I'll talk about him a little bit more uh, later when we talk about some of the guys that have been real hot for the Marlins, but A.J. Puck, uh, He's, I don't want to give out all the information yet on him, but he's one of the closer, one of the first closers in a long time uh, where I don't get heartburn when I see him come in with a tight lead. Uh, he's been so productive. He's been so trustworthy. Um, the, the, the only name I could think of, A.J. Ramos from, you know, the mid-2010 era uh, for the Marlins, but even he would let up, 
you know, a hit here, a walk there. It was a roller coaster with him. AJ Puck doesn't allow hits or walks so many times. He'll go one, two, three. Um, so that's been a great uh, acquisition. He was the one that the Marlins got from Oakland when uh, we sent away JJ Blade. Uh, Kim Ang, for all of the criticism that she gets, and some of it is deserved, some of it isn't, uh, she will fleece a team. Uh, I think that JJ Blade, for what looks like a lockdown closer, a long term lockdown closer, it's a steal. So that's who I am also very impressed with. Uh, we got a couple of other guys that they acquired that I'm not uh, too happy with what I've seen, but also kind of expected. Uh, they got uh, Gene Segura. He has been in the nicest way possible, just a net negative uh, on offense. There's nothing to really speak of. He's actually, he's not just a strikeout hitter. He's actually worse. He grounds into double plays a whole lot. Um, guaranteed he's going to ground into at least one double play this weekend. Uh, he's tied for the major league lead with seven ground outs. Uh, his fielding hasn't been great. He's got a 915 uh, field percentage. Uh, he's got a few errors. Uh, when you watch the games this weekend, I guarantee you'll see at least three throws that go over the first baseman's head that he's going to have to corral. So, I mean, he keeps the first baseman awake and active. That's for sure. I remember Gene Segura from his Milwaukee days. Speaking of Milwaukee days, can you guys stop giving Milwaukee players? Because we talked about Pablo Lopez and how he's gone. But uh, uh, Brian Anderson, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a real hot start. He's cooled down a little bit. and You know, I selfishly was like, thank God. It's not another Christian Yelich situation. But also, I, I was happy to see him. He was very good with Miami his first couple of years. A combination of injuries and just, you know, your typical ebbs and flows in a career. He didn't look too hot the last year or two he was here. Um, but that was – that, that almost looked very Christian Yelich. Like, yes, cool down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, were, were you guys getting nervous up there? Yes, like, oh, yes, God, yes. yes I, I, was, I was so mad. I was like, God bless it. But I'll tell you something, and I'm just going to bring this up, and I'm going to bring it up nicely. I was sitting here, and I, I go to a lot of different games in different ballparks, Alex, and 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 I was it was me and some other – it was some uh, Marlins prospect block, but I got an email – and I put this out here. What, what were you guys doing with this Bartman email? What was going on with that in Miami? <laughs> oh, boy. So this was a real email that some of my colleagues also got, but the Marlins backtracked and said it was <laughs> sent out in error. Look, I I didn't like it. I feel terrible for the guy. <laughs> um, I don't feel terrible for the, the select Cubs fans that, you know, made his life that way, but – I feel so terrible for him. He doesn't want to be bothered. He doesn't want to do, you know, even after the Cubs won the World Series, he didn't want to be part of the celebration or anything publicly. Like, remember when the, uh, I believe it was the Red Sox that brought back uh, Bill Buckner and and everyone, well, we forgive you in public now because we won the World Series. I don't think that Steve Barman wanted anything to do with that. Uh, so I do think that the Marlins made a little bit of a faux pas with that because now you're we're talking about Steve Bartman again. Now Steve Bartman's back in the spotlight. Now his face is probably red and he's probably sweating a little bit. Cause he's like, Oh my God, they haven't spoke about me in years. And now here they go again. Yeah, It's hard to believe it was that long ago, 20 years, right? Yeah. 20 years ago. And that, yeah, I was actually at both the game, all the games, game one, two and six and seven, all the games at Wrigley. So, 
It brought up bad memories for me. But thinking about positive memories about this weekend series, let's take a look at the pitching probables right now. We got game one, Marcus Stroman versus Jesus Lusardo. Stro has been really good for the Cubs all year. The last start wasn't the greatest. He's 2-2 two and two at the 217 ERA. Um, he got torched. We, we got the Dodgers. We beat them in Los Angeles, but the Dodgers really did a number at, at Wrigley. They took three of four against the Cubs. So Stro gave up a couple of long balls in that game, and, it, it, you know, it, it kind of got away from him in the sixth inning. But in general, he's been, he was really one of our better pitchers this whole season so far. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty fun to watch, and and as for Jesus Lazardo, he will also be fun to watch at his absolute peak of potential. And uh, we did see that in one game against the Twins earlier this year. He pitched seven innings, struck out ten, gave up one run. Since then, he's kind of been average, an average pitcher, which has been a little concerning to see. I'm not actually concerned about him, but it's been kind of frustrating to watch because he was one of those guys where. A lot of people down here in Miami were saying Asus Lazardo is going to be great, but I was one of those ones that was saying he might be just as good as Sandy this year. Um, he's got a great fastball. He's got a great arsenal. He's got velocity. He's got movement. He's got length as well. He, he could be uh, uh, efficient enough to pitch seven or eight innings consistently, but we haven't seen that this year. Uh, he's kind of been cold the last couple starts. Each of his last two starts, he's only gone four and a third. Uh, in his last start against Cleveland a few days ago, uh, gave up four runs. Uh, start before that against San Francisco, he gave up three runs. Start before that against Philly, gave up three runs. Uh, so he hasn't been as efficient lately. If he can be efficient and stop walking guys, uh, stop getting into deep counts, stop giving up you know eight hits, six hits, eight hits a game, uh, he's going to be a fun watch. And I do hope that this will be a – a good pitching matchup, which I suspect it will be if, if both of these guys can, can channel the best that they can be. Right. So this is probably, that's probably the best pitching matchup of the weekend because on Saturday um, you guys have Edward Cabrera. I haven't, I, all I've seen is TBD. I don't know if they've updated or changed anything, but um, Jamison Tyone, one of the Cubs free agent acquisitions had uh, did something with a groin and, and it really hasn't been explained that well, but he's just long tossing and he's been out. So the question is, are, are they going to go with a bullpen game or I'm sure they're going to call somebody up. Uh, Javier Assad was called up earlier for Jameson Tyone. He had a great spring training, a great world baseball classic, and then flopped right out of the gate. And so he was down in AAA and they're working on some things, but that's the, I mean, potentially him, potentially Ruenis Elias, uh, who was also in the WBC for Team Cuba, but not really sure exactly what you guys are going to see on Saturday. Yeah, this is going to be a whole uh, weekend of TBD because I believe, if I'm correct, uh, the Marlins currently have TBD listed on Sunday. Let me just check that real quick. Uh, but but I do believe, if it's not already listed officially, I do believe um, from what I've heard, and then this is nothing official that I know of yet, but uh, I've heard that it'll be, uh, Brian Hoeing, who has been in the minor leagues for the Marlins, did make a start this week against uh, Cleveland. I believe it was Cleveland. It was either Cleveland or earlier in the Atlanta series. Did pretty good. Uh, pretty good for a spot starter. He's going to give you innings. He's you know gonna he's going to give you a chance to win. He's a good pitcher, but he's a spot starter. He'll be back down uh, as soon as 
Marlins guys get healthy. As for Edward Cabrera on Saturday, um, he's another one of those guys. I briefly mentioned it with Jesus Luzardo. If he can stop walking guys, he's another guy who is sensational. He's got a disgusting curveball. Uh, probably, if I if I had to say, I would say it's the best curveball in the Marlins rotation off the top of my head. Uh, he gave up four runs in four and a third against Atlanta a few days ago. Uh, and that was also uh, by virtue of walking four guys in part. Uh, so if he can keep control and uh, keep walks off the board, I think that's another exciting one. All right. So you're, you're, you're preaching, you're saying a, a, the Cubs should be patient in their approach here with some of these younger Marlins pitchers. Some of these guys, definitely. I would say if I had to give out the scouting report, I would say, that uh, Saturday when Edward Cabrera pitches, just kind of watch a few pitches. Definitely don't go first pitch swinging. All right. Now, good luck to you guys on Sunday because you mentioned Brian Henning is who I have down here too as well. But he is going to take on the big lefty Justin Steele, 4-0 and with a 119 ERA. Since the All-Star game last year, he has the lowest ERA of any starter in baseball since the All-Star break last year. So, it has really just clicked in for him, and he has been – it has been so fun to watch this kid pitch. He, he literally just – it just – I don't know. He's got that, that bulldog mentality in him, and he just goes out there and he does it. And, and so he's, like I said, 4-0. Last start was against San Diego. He didn't, he didn't go six innings, so it's the first time in a while he hasn't had a quality start. But he went, he went 5.1 innings and gave up three hits and no earned runs, so – I mean, when you just go down the list, it's four hits, one run, you know, three hits, two runs. It's ever, you know, the first start was a little bit shaky of the year, but ever since then, he's just been on fire. Yeah, that'll be fun. And where did he come from, if you don't mind? Because that's a name that I've heard around, but I'm, I'm not familiar with his game. What's he all about? So Justin Steele was drafted by the Cubs in 2014. And then just a combination of different things, injuries, COVID, all this stuff. You know, he kind of came up then as a reliever. And then last year he took the, you know, he started some two years ago in 2021. He had some starts and then he competed for a job in 2022 and he did really good. But then something just, like I said, clicked in, in the, in the, especially in the second half. And the guy became just otherworldly. And so it's it's been a fun fun to watch. And, and the Cubs are not known for developing pitching that much. So you know, I'm trying to think maybe Carlos Zambrano and Mark Pryor, who who were in those 2003 teams, yeah. but, in, but in general, not not the Cubs' strong suit. So having a, having someone that comes up from our system has been really exciting. That's awesome, especially when they've been in the minors for that long. I, I know it's a little bit different of a story, but that that Maggie guy is a Drew Maggie uh, with Pittsburgh. That was 33 years old, just came up from the minors. Those those kinds of stories are cool. Yeah, and he, and and Justin's still pretty young, uh, relatively young. He's only he's only twenty seven, so you know it's it's good to see him, uh, you know, breaking out and kind of having uh, some some good success here. So really good guy too, good 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 kid. So going to be a fun one on that one. So as we kind of go into this weekend, we're going to do some hots and knots. And one guy, when you talk about leadoff hitter, our leadoff hitter, we finally actually have one for the first time since Dexter Fowler. Nico Horner has been on fire uh, lately. Last seven games, he's batting 333 with two home runs and 10 RBIs, nine hits and 27 at bats. But this guy has just been, he just got a contract extension maybe like right before opening day. And, it, and it's just been so exciting to watch him. He's been really good. 
Trey Mancini, who everyone was freaking out, signed in the offseason, but uh, you know, he had a start, you know, sluggish start, but now he's picking it up. He's batting 316 in the last seven with two home runs and five RBIs. So pretty good. Um, on the you know, who do you guys got who that's that's pretty hot right now? So I actually wanted to do a little bit of a zigzag with that. I have a, the the entire back end of the Marlins bullpen, Dome Floro and AJ Puck. Um, I told you I didn't want to give away the whole book on AJ Puck, and that's because I wanted to drop a couple stats. So he is he's got a 1.0 ERA. Uh, besides, uh, it was it was the second game of the season. Either way, it was opening weekend against the Mets. It was his first appearance. Uh, Marlins are up 2-0. Uh, A.J. Puck gives up a solo home run to Pete Alonso in the ninth inning. That was it. Uh, only run scored that game. Still gets the 2-1 to save. He hasn't given up a single run since then. Uh, he has thrown seven scoreless outings since then, eight innings total. Uh, zero runs since then. So aside from that run, which was technically in March, so he has not given up a run all April. Uh, so I don't want to say that he's automatic because I'm sure once I say that he's going to give up five runs on Saturday, <laughs> uh, but he's as automatic as you can get so far. Um, and then Dylan Floro, uh, Dylan Floro is not a name that a whole lot of people know, um, but he's been the Marlins eighth inning guy. Um, the What I kept saying about this bullpen last year is it was full of a bunch of middle reliever guys that are fine in the sixth, seventh inning. Maybe if your pitcher has a short start, they can go in the fifth inning. But we didn't have any eighth, eighth inning or ninth inning guys. Dylan Floro has been the perfect setup man so far. He's been their uh, eighth inning pitcher. Um, he's got a 235 ERA. That 235 ERA came from Wednesday night against the Braves. He gave up three runs. It was the first time all year that he gave up any runs at all. First time all year he gave up multiple hits. Uh, uh, and that was it. Everything else has been just a big goose egg. Zero, 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 zero. Uh, he came back Thursday afternoon, uh, delivered a scoreless and hitless ninth. He actually got the save opportunity in uh, the comeback victory from the Marlins. So th the Marlins have had this thing now where, and again, this hasn't been the case in years. I've been following this team since I was five. Um, years since the Marlins have been in a position where if they have the lead um, in the eighth inning, uh, they're not giving it up. Uh, so that eighth and ninth inning battery, I would say that those are the hots. Okay. And then, you know, I was going to say for the knots, Dansby Swanson has been struggling, but he just had a whole, his first Cubs home run today. But since you went bullpen, I'm going to go bullpen. We do not have that lockdown closer right now. And that's been a problem. Uh, Michael Fulmer, who they signed in the offseason, he's at a 784 ERA right now with two losses. And so he he has been struggling. So if you see Michael Fulmer come in, Brad Boxberger they got, and he's been okay, not not spectacular. But I think with the Cubs in the eighth and the ninth inning, that's kind of a concern right now because there isn't guys that miss bat. These are guys that pitch to a lot of contact. Um, and, and so that's kind of been a struggle for the Cubs so far is, is who is the ninth inning guy. Boxberger figures better as an eighth inning guy than a ninth inning guy. Um, but, but the bullpen right now for the Cubs, I think it's going to be a lot better in the second half. I think there's some guys on the way, just not happening just yet. Yeah. That's always frustrating was when, you know, you, you kind of have arms, but you just can't click the right buttons to say wh where, does this pitcher go? Which inning should this guy go into? 
Marlins have had that problem for a few years. Yeah, yeah I, I can name a few guys. Anthony Bass, for example, was one of those guys who just – he was good only in certain innings. And then you would say, hey, let's try him out as a closer. And then he would be not good. I got to ask you, I know someone else that's cold on your team that's familiar with our audience, and that is Jorge Soler struggling out of the gate. What's going on with Georgie? Uh, so actually, right out of the gate, he was tremendous. He has cooled down a little bit, um, but he was he had a barrel rate of 42%. I want to say uh, it, it would have been his season high. or uh, Sorry, his career high. Uh, he has cooled down a little bit, but he was hitting – bombs for Miami, some clutch bombs as well. He had a, a game-tying home – it was either game-tying or a go-ahead home run a couple weeks ago. Uh, he hadn't been striking out a whole lot. Um, he has cooled down a little bit, but for the most part, the Marlins are getting or were getting what they wanted out of him when they originally signed him last year, which was a guy who he's going to strike out. He's not going to hit for a whole lot of average – but he's going to hit home runs. Last year, they kind of got home runs. Before he had the back injury, he was on pace for 25 home runs, I believe, give and take 25 home runs. He's on pace for a little bit more than that this year. Um, so the Marlins are getting what they want from him, and he's hitting the ball hard. The, the power hasn't left him. All right. Well, we'll, we'll kind of watch closely. Good, good dude, and, and hopefully, like I said, he'll do some autograph signings in Chicago, all the people that need him on that World Series merch. But uh, this, like, like you said, you know, this should be a pretty fun series. You got that interesting pitching matchup on Friday and then Saturday and Sunday. Let's throw caution to the wind and see what happens. Exactly. No, yeah. Sunday is going to be one of those uh, who's who. Who's <laughs> who with the, the classic Sunday lineups, classic Sunday uh, uh, starting matchups. It'll be fun. Well, Alex, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Um, for any of our listeners that are interested, you host the Fish Stripes podcast. You guys talk all things Marlins. And I'm going to wish you guys luck after this weekend, my friend. Of course, and you as well. Thank you so much, Paul. All right, Crowley, great interview. Cubs and Miami Marlins. This one's going to start out Friday night. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, I I am going to still be positive. I still think the Cubs are going to play uh, take two or three. I just hate that stadium in Miami. I just feel like the Cubs always seem to struggle there. Have you but been there, Crowley? I, I have been there. I was there on uh, opening day in 2018 when Ian Happ hit the very first yeah, pitch for a home run of the season. Okay. So okay. I, I am. I think that they are going to the game two, that TBD. Ross is being a little coy about that. I don't know. So it's hard for me to really say what's going to happen at this point. But uh, I take got, a guess. Uh, might be Javier Assad. I'm not Assad, sure. Right. Or, yeah. or some type of an, uh, an opening. And then Assad comes in something like that. It's possible, but that, that that's my, you know, I, I don't, and I'm that's not, a Fox. That's a national, that's a Fox national afternoon game. Right. So that, that Rowenis Elias, if may, that matters, but right. Rowenis Elias, maybe, or Javier Assad. So I, I like Stroman and I like Justin Steele in game three for sure. So I think they're going to take two or three. Yep, this should be another series. The uh, Cubs will win, absolutely. And uh, we don't really have to do much predicting there. We're in agreement. Two out of three for our Cubbies. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on all the socials. Follow the, us on the Fly the W Facebook page, Fly the W on 670, Instagram, and, of course, email us. 
flythew670 gmail.com and now you can watch us on youtube by subscribing to this fly the 670 score on the youtube channel Crowley, have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Um, good thing they're probably not playing here in Chicago because the rain is supposedly coming heavy on Saturday and Sunday. So the Cubs games will happen. You can listen to Pat and Ron or watch them on TV and enjoy yourself. The Cubs are taking their talents to South Beach. Go Cubs!